0: We're going to continue what we began last week which is understanding the principle of by which the kingdom of heaven operates the ways of the kingdom is what this is called. We spent a bit of time at the end of last year laying a foundation for this by another series which was entitled the upside down kingdom and it brought to us an understanding at least the beginning of an understanding. I'm still seeing this In my life, and and I'm getting reports back from people of how it's really affecting their life and understanding of their life, is that the kingdom of God is established on certain principles. And they're principles by which they're part of God's character and nature. And then in the fall, not last year, but I mean in the fall, when Adam sinned and, and Eve tempted him, Satan came in and his whole focus was to take those principles that God operates by which is what created paradise on earth and to pervert them turn them around and to do that he had to convince them to think differently than God thinks which is why we're spending Wednesday nights now learning about how to renew your mind which is how to reprogram that to go back and think the way God thinks it requires some practical skills we're learning and so we saw that what that Satan cannot create anything on his own, so that the principles that this world operates on are perversions or the upside down, a reversal of the principles that the world op, that the kingdom of God operates under. The problem is you and I were born into it. We've been raised in it. Everything around us operates by these principles. And if everybody, it's like the old story of the emperor. You remember, remember the story? The emperor has no clothes. So it's an old story about you know, a kingdom where the emperor wasn't wearing clothes, but, but everybody was afraid to, to admit that, so they all talked about how beautiful his robes were. You know, and the, Everybody in society, when he would lead a parade, they'd oh, how beautiful his robes were. He wasn't wearing anything special at all, until one day one boy spoke up and said, hey, he doesn't have anything on. So if everybody agrees with something, it becomes the standard of our society and culture, and therefore we all begin to operate by that, even if it's not true. And what I trust that God's beginning to open us our understanding to is most of our life we've operated by principles that we've been convinced were true because everybody else agreed they're true and yet we have discovering they're not the truth at all. And that explains why some things haven't worked in our lives because we've been working contrary to the kingdom of God. Now once you come to Christ, you're not in that kingdom anymore of the world. Colossians 1.13 says, We've been delivered from the domain, the kingdom, the dominion, the authority of darkness. And we've been transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son. So we've been transferred into God's kingdom, but we're still operating in the principles of darkness. And so God wants to open our eyes to see so we can begin to operate. And we went through eight different principles, and there may be more, but we went through eight, we ran out of time with those. But the last one we began to talk about is really the basis for this. And we're going to turn now, we read this last week, but we're going to pick up on this again. And it's called the, the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle is this. The kingdom of God and everything works primarily on the principle of exchange. Exchange is where you take what you have, you give it up to something else or someone else in return for which you get back what you want. And the world system operates on a principle of buying and selling or dealing. It may be bartering or dealing. And so the idea of that is I, I see something you have that I want And so I, I go get you know I find out what do I need to give you in order to get what I want. One of our sons was bought a car this week, and you know he's on the phone with me. You know, Dad, I got a bargain for this. I I don't like buying cars because I don't like the process of bargaining because because I'll come away and I never know could I've gotten a better deal. Which one of us won this transaction? See, the whole motive there is I want the most I can get and give you the least I have to. And unless you're a car dealer or a salesman, um, it's okay to get the best deal you can uh, if you're buying a car. But when it comes to the things of God, we bring that same thinking in there. And because of that, we believe God has that same thinking towards us. I never thought of that before. See, that's why we think God's requiring all these things of us and He's waiting to see what we do for Him and then He'll pay us back for that. And we get this attitude and you know, you you can tell when you've had that attitude because when you get upset because you didn't get what you thought you ought to. Read the book of Job. In the middle he gets so mad at God he says, the only thing that's really unfair about this is I can't call you into court. Think of that. I can't get you into court because my rights have been violated. And boy, if I could get you into court, we'd stand before the judge and I would have a just cause against you. Wait a minute, who's the judge? <laughs> and God's loving way of correcting him is to literally put Job on the witness stand and cross-examine him. He says, all right, Job, let me ask you a few questions. He had his lawyer Eliphaz do it first, but he said, I want, I want, I'm going to take over the examination here. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you know what holds the universe in the sky? He goes through this, I think it's 41 and 42. He goes through this question after question and Job's just sitting there. How did I get off on that? Did you do that? What was I talking about before that? Principle, I've lost track of where I was. The principles of the kingdom of God. I know that. Oh, sowing and reaping. Exchange. So the world operates on the principle of exchange, which is I give you what you want and get, give you as little of it as I have to to get from you as much as I need. The principle... That's, now remember, that's a perversion of the truth. So what's the truth? The truth is, there's, in the kingdom of God, it operates by an exchange. The difference is the motive. In the kingdom of God, the motive is, what is it you need? Because I want to bless you first. And if I bless you first, then the principle of sowing and reaping is somehow, that's going to come back to me, multiplied, but my motive is what's best for you. That's the first principle Satan perverted. Remember, everything that he perverts has always changed the focus from God to me. Me first. And every one of those principles, perverted principles we went through, we saw that was in essence the switch putting me first, providing for me, taking care of me, exalting me. Me, 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 me. And in the kingdom of God, it's him. But see, when we exalt him, what's he do? He exalts us. When we lift him up, what does he do? Lift us up. Because that's his heart. So we have this image of God because we bring this thinking to him that God's, God's a car salesman or other salesman. God's trying to get, get the most from you and give you the least. So what is it I have to do? Oh, I remember how we got into Job. Because the proof that that's that I'm thinking that way is when I get upset at him because I'm not getting what I ought to get. This isn't working. This isn't fair. Well, it brings us back to this understanding that everything we receive from God is by grace. And grace and deserve don't fit together. Because if I want what I deserve, then i got to get all I deserve. This isn't a buffet where you can go to the desserts at the end and say, I want the desserts, but I don't want the Brussels sprouts and the peas, and I don't want the other stuff. I want the desserts. So we can't say to God, look, I've got my rights here. I want what I deserve. Oh, but I don't want this that I know I deserve because <clears throat> under, the, under the law you're either completely under the law or you're not and under the law if you break one principle you broke them all James chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3 I think it is if you break one of them you've broken them all so I need grace for all of them so if we see God that way And that's natural. If this is the way we see everything else in life, we're going to bring that over to God, then what happens is we deal with God on the basis of of this perverted principle. And that's what we're learning how not to do. All right, Mark chapter 4. Verse 26. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man, so he's talking about the kingdom of God, should scatter or sow seed on the ground. And he should sleep by night and rise by day. The seed should sprout and grow. And he himself does not know how. We talked more about that last week. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now he's going to tell another parable, verse 30. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? In other words, let's talk about what the kingdom of God is like. Or with what parable shall we picture it? It's like a mustard seed, which is sown in the ground, is smaller than all the seeds of the earth, but when it is sown it grows up and becomes richer than all the herbs and shoots out as large branches so that the birds of the air may rest nest under its shade. What we're going to talk about this morning, and we've touched on it last time, is what I call the principle of the seed. Because in, under, in order to do this, in order to operate under this principle freely, we, because we're human, it's generally not enough for us just to know that's how God says to operate. Because God gives us understanding of why we can trust this and how it works. And that's one of the things that teaching does. The gift of teaching that's in Ephesians chapter uh, 4 is for the purpose of giving us understanding. And when we have understanding, now we can take it out into our life and begin to apply it. So we're going to talk about the principle of the seed. And you see it in here. So let's begin that. The seed. Because the seed is what it starts with, it starts with the seed. So let's go to chapter John chapter we may come back here. let's go to John chapter twelve, and we've looked at this before, but we're going to look at it from the point of view of the seed. And we're not going to go back over the background because we've talked about this before, but the hours come verse twenty three and the, the, the Son of man should be glorified verse twenty four most assuredly, I say to you. Unless a grain of wheat, that's a seed, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is an exchange. It starts with what do I have? And we touched on this last time. But we're often so conscious of what do I want And what do I need? That what we look at is what I need, which is the harvest. And I don't see the harvest. So I see this great need in my life, an overwhelming need, and I look at what I have and say, there's no way that what I have is going to meet that need. And so what do we do out of fear? We take what we have and hold on to it even tighter because at least I know I have this. If I lose this, I don't have anything. And to show you how deceived we get, we already know that what we have is not enough. It's not enough compared to what I need. But, see, again, it's the perverted thinking is, but if I, don't, if I don't have control of this, I'll lose this, and then I have nothing so I better hang on to this and squeeze this as tight as I can because somebody might take it away from me or else I have nothing. Even though I understand that what I have isn't enough. So I'm walking by sight and not by faith. What does Jesus say here? We again touch this with. He said, unless the grain of wheat or the seed falls in the ground. So everything in the kingdom of God, in terms of what God wants to do in my life, starts with some kind of seed. And the first thing we see about a seed is it's something you have right now. It's something you have right now in your possession and in your control and it has some value to you. Second thing we need to understand is that seed in and of itself can't produce what you need if it remains a seed. We've got to start learning to look at things in God's terms not our terms. God looks at what you have in terms of their potential. We look at what we have in terms of what it means to us right now. God's always trying to bring increase into our lives. We're trying to get increase. That's the difference. God's trying to bring increase to us. That comes from Him. We're trying to get increase by what we do. So we try to take what we have and make it do. And we already know it's not enough. I remember when I was first saved, I was part of working in Boston in the, in the large law firm I was in. And there was a Bible study at one of the, in one of the federal buildings. And uh, so I just turned about and started attending it. And when I started, they were going through the story where Jesus. Feeds the 5,000. And this dear woman, we go through the store and she says, Wow, you know what Jesus had to have done? He had to take that boy's lunch and divide it up into pieces enough to spread out. And I'm looking at her thinking, That's a greater miracle. Because they were all filled. And there's still 12 baskets left over. But see, that's the thinking that's ingrained in us. Well, I've got, what I have, i got to hold on to, or i got to learn to do something with it so that I can meet my need. You can't meet your need. God never wants you to be the meter of your need. He wants you to know He's the source. He's your source. He may be using your employer right now. He may be using some other means, but He's your source. And the kingdom of God operates on the principle, God's everything, and because He's everything, I'm well taken care of. Remember, it was called paradise. They weren't walking around saying, oh, we don't have this, and we don't have that, and we don't have that. God. The lie that Satan brought in is you don't have enough. God's not enough for you. So you need to get something for yourself. Same lie today. So the first thing is, it starts with what is it you have? That's the seed. We've got to learn to look at the seed differently. The seed, what we have, is the potential for what God can do. It's not the end. It's not the harvest. It's the potential. Well, let's talk about that. Potential. So we learned last week that word unless. That means it's up to me. We're going to see later on. God's given you seeds. He gives seed to the sower. How come he didn't just give us the harvest? That's what we're looking for. A lot of us are just looking for the harvest, and we don't realize God gave you the seed. Now, we'll learn in a little while, not today. This isn't just money. Forget money right now. This is so much bigger than money, it's a way of life, it's a way of thinking. Because if you just change your what you do, but you don't change your thinking, you're going to miss it. Because we'll still think like the world and try to operate like God. So it starts with, what do I have? Realizing that what I have, God gave me to begin with. Why did He give it to me? He gave it to me because as seed, I now have something to sow. Now notice what it has to do. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, so it's got to be sown, it's got to be planted in something, and it dies. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? But unless that seed dies to what it was, it will never become what it can be. I shared with you last time, inside that seed is everything that's necessary to produce that harvest, except the soil it's put in and the water, the water that helps strengthen it to grow. But all the DNA for every every ear of corn is in that seed. All the DNA for what kind of wheat that's going to become is in that seed the life force. Think about that. Ever just look at a seed? You ought to do that sometime. Just look at a seed. It, I mean, it's, just a, it's a hard... Nothing. Has no intrinsic value of itself, unless you're going to make jewelry or, you know, you're going to eat it like poppy seeds, you know, not poppy seeds, but, you know, sesame seeds, you know, cook with or something like that. But in terms of real value, it, you know, that's why Jesus used a mustard seed as an example. It's the tiniest of all of them. No apparent value at all. But unless that seed, unless, that's what we talked about last time, is sown in the ground. So unless means it's going to stay a seed. But once it's sown in the ground, it has to die. See, whatever God's given you as seed has some value to you. But in order for that to mature into the harvest, you have to die to the value that that has to you. It's like when you go to buy that car and you go to hand that check over. <laughs> that's why you've got to keep looking at the car because that's why I'm letting go of the money because that car has more value to me than that money, but sometimes we want both. <laughs> You can't have both. You've got to let go of one to have the other. It's an exchange. So there are things in our lives that are seed. We'll talk more about them at the end. That are valuable to you but have no no or very little valuable to the kingdom of God because we're holding on to it. So it has to die And unless it dies, it remains alone, he said. It remains alone. There are some of you this morning that are alone. You feel alone. Whether it's socially, spiritually, financially, you feel alone. That's a sign that you're holding on to something. That's a sign that there's a seed in your life that you're holding on to. But see, when we hear these teachings, we automatically think of money. But there's so many other seeds God's given you besides money. But it has to die to the value it has to you in order for it to have value to others. See, that's the key. We have to be willing to let go of the value it has to me personally. Personally. And if I'll do that, God will cause it to have value to others. Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. All right, I want to move through this because I want to, I want to cover some things. We have to let go, of the, uh, let go of it in order for all of its potential to be released. We talked last time about learning to see seed as the potential, as the harvest, not the seed. And that's true of your life. Every one of you sitting here this morning has something God's given you for the kingdom of God that God sees as the potential for a harvest for other people's lives. But unless you let go of it, and the pain of letting go sometimes is the pain of doing something that's uncomfortable to you. Well, I don't know that I really, you know, I don't know that I really like children that much, but I really feel God's put something in my heart to work with them. But I don't, I'm not good at that. Well, maybe if you'll take what you don't think you're good at and sow it, you'll see God begin to open things up in your life. Okay, well, I'm starting to meddle now. I better move on now. Nice and talking theory, Pastor. Just don't talk to me. Okay, (laughs) Now, in order to let go of something that's valuable to you, you've got to be willing to trust it to someone else. I remember when our, oh boy, I remember when our children were small and they'd want to go, you know, somebody was having them over you know, from school, was going to have them over and spend the night. I wouldn't just, oh yeah, sure, go ahead. I wouldn't know who they were going with because those children were precious to us. More precious than our... I wouldn't give my car to them without knowing something about them, but I'd give my children to them. No. I wanted to know who they were, what they believed. I wanted to know all kinds of things about them. And and when the children got older, they went, yep. You know, you're controlling our life. And I'm saying, no, no, no. You don't understand how precious you are to us. Again, I wouldn't take my car and just say, here are the keys. You're far more valuable to us. Far more important to us than 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 the car. And get another one of those. I can't get another one of you. So in order to let something go, you've got to know who you're trusting it to and to whom you're giving it. We're going to learn that when you sow in the kingdom of God, you're releasing that seed into His hands. So the question is, can you trust Him? Don't answer so quickly. In fact, the way to answer is to find your answers to see what you're letting go to Him because that shows how much you trust Him. We better move along. (laughs) All right. Once it is sown, it's now in God's hands and our role is to trust Him. Now go back to Mark chapter 4. Verse 27, they sowed the seed in verse 26, verse 27, and they should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. So that farmer has put that seed in the ground, he has entrusted that seed to the ground and to the God that created this process. Because in his mind, he's lost that seed. Most likely, he can't go dig it up and find it again. And we know that if he does go try to dig it up, he's going to kill the process. So you've got to take the seed and you've got to sow it into something or someone and that you've got to trust it to. You've got to trust this process. You've got to trust the principle and the author of the principle. Second Timothy chapter 1. Now, the biggest application of this we didn't cover yet. But if you read the next verse in John chapter 12, Jesus talks about sowing our lives. And we're going to see here Timothy's... We're going to see here Paul's... what Paul did with his life. 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy, not 1 Timothy. Now, this is written at the end of Paul's life. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Talking about... His calling, which was to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ among the Gentiles. Verse 11 says, To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. The things were being in jail, beaten. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep what I have committed to Him until that day. Now if you go on and study, what you'll find out that what he committed to him was his life. And he's not saying like a a coat check room or a hat check room where you get your precious coat, you give it to them and they give you a check and you go back and you give them the the little thing back with the number on. it. It's not like I entrusted my life to God and now at the end he's going to give back what I gave him. No, no. If you read elsewhere, you'll find Paul entrusted his life to God because he knew there was an eternal reward. God's called us to sow our lives. To sow our lives to Him. Notice Jesus said, If you don't, your life remains alone by itself. But how can I trust Him? Because the God who you sow your life to has a reward for you that is literally out of this world. And I've shared with several people this week, whatever that requires, you've got to go through here. In terms of eternity, it's... And when you get there and find out the reward that is the harvest of what you've done... And we sometimes think in terms of mansions and cottages and things like that. Yeah, that may be there too. But what about the look in Jesus' eyes? When He looks at you and says, well done. What about the people that come up to you in heaven and said, I wouldn't have been here. if you. I was, in son, I was a little child. And you, you didn't want to, but you came downstairs and you taught, you, you, you taught children's church. And you didn't want to. Or I was a child in, in, in Guatemala. And you showed up and you handed out tracts. And you handed one to my mother and she read it to me. And I'm here because you went and did that. Wow. Keep this in mind God's a multiplier. God is so good and thinks in such big terms and such but And he thinks in terms of eternity. We think in terms of today and what's i am got to go through today. What's this costing me? Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12 says, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He sowed His life. And what did He get back? Millions of brethren, including you and including me. So the seed is something you have. The seed, if you don't do something with it, remains alone. The seed contains everything that's necessary to produce a harvest. But it's up to you what you do with that harvest, uh, for that harvest. Okay. Now there's another factor here. It has to do, the harvest is determined to some degree by the soil that it's planted in. In Matthew chapter 13, we're not going to turn there, but Jesus, teaching this basic principle of the kingdom of God, talks about the sower being the Father, sows the seed, which is the Word, in our case. And He talks about, I think it's four different harvests. One produced nothing, it didn't even grow. One started to grow, but when, it, when the sun came up and it got hot, it just shriveled right up, because it had no roots in it. It grew, but it didn't produce any roots. There was another one that grew up but it, but, and, it, and it began to produce something but the soil it was in had other kinds of things in it. Thorns and thistles and weeds grew up and it choked it off. And then there's the one that was sown in good soil that produced 30, 60, and 100. Same seed. Same sower. So it came out of the same bag. But the condition of the soil it was sown in determined... What and to what degree that seed could produce a harvest. So, as we're sowing our lives and the things of our lives, we need to be sensitive to God's direction about where to sow that. There's a verse I'm going to talk about later, further on in this year, that God began to talk to me about. It's Matthew 15 13. It says, Whatever my Father has not planted, I will uproot. And I said, Lord, what is that talking about? He says, because there's things that are planted by man that produce fruit, but it's not my fruit. So we've got to learn to discern fruit that's fruit, but it's not God's fruit. So the seed is something you have already. It won't produce what you need, but you've got to do with it. You've got to sow the seed. It contains everything that's in it that's necessary to grow. But you've got to be willing to let go of it and entrust it to God's hands. The soil you sow it in will determine to what degree it can accomplish what it was intended to accomplish. Let's look at another factor. I'm going through these because I want to cover some ground this morning. I want to get this whole thing about the principle of the seed done today. don't turn there but Ezekiel 3 verse 2 says there's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest in Mark here we see that he said, verse 27 he should sleep by night and rise by day the seed should sprout and grow and he himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by itself first the blade then the head and after that the full grain in the head but when the grain ripens immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The next principle of the seed is time. We live in a generation. I'm reading a book now, rereading a book that was written 30 years ago, talks about how impatient we are. Talking about in our mechanical age, we live in an electronic age where we expect instant answers. I mean, sitting around talking to somebody now, you know. Somebody says, "You know, I wonder, I wonder what that thing's called." You pull out your phone. Nowadays, most people just talk to them. What does this mean? And the resources of the electronic world are at your hand. To um, and if we, if it takes more than the, in, in some of these services, tell you how long it's taking took. Took three milliseconds. Oh, it was slow. We've, see, we get used to that, so we. but that also changes our expectation. Yeah, that's right. We're used to instant answers, instant information. Yeah. And we think we can Google God. <laughs> we think God is Siri. Some of you don't have that. So. No. Siri, tell me this... How can I help you today? <laughs> and we think we've got God on our smartphone. This is God. How can I help you today? Well, God... I... No, It says His kingdom. That's right. Not Bill Gates. Not Steve Jobs. Not Microsoft. Not Apple. Or not Samsung. This is God's kingdom we're talking about. So... There's things with God that require time. And that gets us into another word in the Bible that I'll be very frank with you. I don't like sometimes. You ready? It's got more than four letters. It's called patience. I, I rem, the story I'm gonna tell you I've told before, but I've had some more recent incidents, but this just is so glaring to me. Years a number of years ago we we were on a vacation and we were on a cruise ship. And this cruise ship had a latte machine. And we like we liked those. So she's sitting out on the deck and I said, I'm gonna go get you a latte, you know, and she said, Oh thank you, and I go, What do you know? And I'm in line. <laughs> for a free latte. And all these slow pokes are in front of me. And I'm starting to get upset. Now, I wasn't so upset that I was going to make it clear, but inside of me, I'm getting agitated. Too old, and need to move faster, you know, what are you doing? You're on my way. And basically, I'm thinking, you're in my way. My, my way. <laughs> God talks to me in in traffic sometimes. I say, God, get them out of my way. The Lord says, you know, they have somewhere to go too. I never thought of that. I'm standing there with this cup going for my second one. And And all of it, God begins... It's like He pulls back and gives me this picture of myself. What are you doing? Remember what... You're on vacation... You're out in the middle of the water. Where are you going? And just maybe if you're that upset, you don't need this one. Or decaf. I don't want to hear that. we build up such an expectation to get instant answers, do this, There's a Plant the seed. I want to see the harvest. Where is it? See, it works on God's terms, not yours. Works on God's timing, not yours or mine. So this parable, Jesus is saying, He plants it in the ground, and He goes to sleep. Guess he goes, no, He goes about His normal routine. He doesn't know how it's working, He's just trusted that if I sow that seed, and I don't mess with it, it's going to produce a harvest. So he has to wait. Say, but Pastor, I can't wait. Then maybe you should have been sowing seed before. Because if you continue to sow seed, you continue to get a harvest. I can't wait. Well, you don't know, have choice. It's like standing at the seed you put in. I need this ear of corn today. I know I just put it in this morning, but I need you today. I can't wait. Don't you understand? I can't wait. You can do that all day long and you can speak over that in faith as much as you want, but it's presumption because that's going to stay in the ground until it's ready. In the meantime, I have to trust God, don't I? I can't keep digging it up and looking at it because if I do, I'm going to kill it. Okay. All right, so it's time. There's a time factor. Another factor. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll get here later on from another point of view. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But I say to you, he who sows sparingly, Will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Another principle of the seed is the amount of harvest is determined by the amount of seed. If you want a large crop, you plant more seed. You determine the size of your harvest by the seed, the amount of seed that you plant. It's amazing how much of it God's put in our hands. And what we try to do is we focus on what God's side of it is and when we're doing God's side, we're not doing ours. And He's not going to do ours and we can't do His. So we need to find out, God, what's my role in this and what's your role in this? Because if I do my role, He will do His because it's a principle of the kingdom of God. So it's not just whether you do something with it, it's where you put it You've got to let go and trust it. And then you've got to to wait patiently in faith. And the amount of the seed that you sow determines the size of the harvest. That's all in your control. Okay. Again, we could stop on a number of these things and, and go off, but we're not going to. Now, here's what I want you to see. Everything in your life is a potential seed. This is really as we began this and I was praying about it because I'm always looking for, okay, God, I know the principles, I know what the Word says, but what is the message that you want us to hear? And the message I've sensed for this teaching of, of sowing and reaping for the seed part of it is to recognize everything in my life is a seed. What is it you have, Jesus said? and realize, start seeing it as a seed, not as an answer. So let's talk about some of the things you have that are seeds. One of the ones we almost never think of is time. Your time is a potential seed, what you do with it. So I'm a busy person, okay? Are you planting God's seeds with that time? What time do you have? Remember when he would say, what do you have? What we're going to see as we get into this. See, we think God's requiring these great big things of us. No, he's just ask, what do you have? Some people have much to give. Some people have little to give. It's what they do with it. There's some people with incredible talents and abilities. And I can't look at them, well, I don't have that ability. I can't do anything. No, it's what do you have. It's what you do with what you have. So time is one. Talents and abilities. There's the parable of the talents. Of course, that term talent meant money. But it also can apply. Several places. In, in Romans 12, I think it's in Romans 12, and then one of, Peter, one of the Peters, he says, you know, if you have the, if you have the ability, it, it, you know, there are different gifts God's given you, use them. If you have the ability to speak, then speak as it is the oracles of God. If you have the ability to serve, then serve. That means basically you know help physical things around. We're gonna have an opportunity coming. You're gonna find this year you're gonna have all kinds of opportunities to sow seed here other than just money. We're gonna have we're gonna have a, a cleanup time when you can come and donate your time to just spruce this place up. It's an opportunity to come and sow some seed of your time talent and ability but see we look at what i look at my seed and i look at somebody else's seed boy are they talented and then i think well i can't do much what do you have it's not what you it's not it's not the amount you have it's what you do with it i can't sow someone else's seed so if you're a gifted musician if you're a creative writer i can't sow that because i may not have that ability But what... See, start looking. What do I have that seed I can sow? Time, talent, and ability. Uh, i got to move quickly here. Here's a major one. Words. Your words. Your words are seeds. Matthew 13 says, The sower sows seed, and then he explains it. The seed is the Word of God. The words you speak into people's lives. The words you speak about your own life are seeds. Are seeds. I'm going to go through these quickly, then we're going to pick up here next time. Your deeds, what you do. We started with Matthew 7:12. Whatsoever things you want somebody else to do for you, you do for them. It's talking about your deeds, your actions, good deeds. Here's a big one. Forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. If you want God to forgive you, you've got to first forgive those who have offended against you. So God determines the forgiveness, the, the, the harvest of forgiveness and grace you get back is determined by the by the seed of forgiveness that you sow I'm getting quiet now and the last one we're going to talk about there are many more I just want to give you a sample is mercy the mercy you sow to others will be sown back to you James 2 13. Again, we'll pick up here next week the, if you're unmerciful to others It will come back to you. We have the Lord's table to share together today, so I'm going to end this now. But we'll pick up with some of those details. Begin to think in terms of whatever it is I'm doing, not in fear, to see it as seed.